Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down there for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Oh, precious mountain that saves from sin. Father in heaven, we come before you and we claim your promise where you tell us that two or, where two or more are gathered, there you are in our midst. And we welcome you in our midst. We desire you to move in our hearts and our souls. We've come this morning to lift up your holy name and to honor you in every way. Please help us to do so by dismissing from our mind all the worries, the fears, the hectic rush of the day. 
and help us instead to just turn to you with peace in our hearts, looking for you to minister to our souls. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated.
please stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing one of our mission songs, Facing a Task Unfinished, and then Oh Praise the Name. Oh 
much, ladies. I would like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, please, and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read you all the first 16 verses of that chapter. I'm going to really focus on verses 7 through 16, but in order for you to really get the whole picture of what's transpiring, I need to read to you all of those verses. However, as we approach the text, I want you to understand that we're talking about Elijah after God has brought a drought to the land for three years. God tells Elijah, I want you to go to the king and I want you to tell them that tell him I'm going to send rain. Now, the king is an evil king, a wicked king, and he has hunted for Elijah looking and looking for him because He's blaming Elijah for this drought. He's wanting to get a hold of him. He would like to execute him. And he cannot find him. So when we come to chapter 18, we come to the place where God is getting ready to send Elijah to the king, make the connection, let him know that the Lord is going to bring rain back to the land. So as I pick it up, going to pick it up in verse 1, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and he hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land unto all the fountains of water, unto all the brooks, peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. So get the picture. Ahab, who is a wicked, evil king, he says, we are all getting ready to die, including all our livestock. So he goes to the governor of his household, Obadiah, who's one who truly loves the Lord, fears the Lord, had even protected the prophets of God when Jezebel was having them executed. And so Ahab says to Obadiah, I want you to go this way, I'm going to go this way, find any brook, any spring, any water whatsoever, because we need to at least save some of the livestock so that we don't lose the whole kingdom of livestock as well. So they both went their way. Verse seven, as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him and he knew him and fell on his face and said, art thou that my Lord Elijah? And he answered him and said, I am go tell the Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And Obadiah said, what have I sinned? that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? And the Lord thy God liveth is no nation nation or kingdom, whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. 
And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, that I, that, that I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them bread, bread and water? And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him that day. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So you're wondering, Pastor, why are we looking at this text? Last week, I, I, I taught about and preached about what makes a good king. What makes a good leader? Well, here, what I want to do is I want to show you what makes a good person. Just a regular person, not a king, not a president, not even a governor or a mayor, just a servant. So when we're introduced to Obadiah, we're introduced to him during very, very difficult times. Because throughout their land, they have been dealing with Jezebel and Ahab. Wicked, evil people who have gone ahead, killed the men of God, persecuted the people of God. And the nation of Israel is in horrible shape. They've now gone through three years of drought because they have lived so wickedly. And we're at the end of this time when there's a great famine, three years of drought, no crops. They are in bad shape. So when we introduce the Obadiah and the circumstances of his life, I want you to understand these are not ideal circumstances. These aren't like you every day getting in your car, driving to work, punching in at your job, making your living, coming home, having an amazing dinner with your wife and kids and music playing in the background and butterflies flying around the house. I know that's how you live every day, right? That's not how it's going for Obadiah. So when we look in this text, we're coming to him at a time of real duress and stress. That's really the test of your mettle, isn't it? It really proves what kind of person you are when you come to the place of trial. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. So let's learn some things about Obadiah's personal strengths that make him such a great example of a servant, a servant of God a servant of others. In fact, Obadiah's name itself means servant of Jehovah. And when we look in here, we find in verse three that he is a person who has feared the Lord. Look at verse three again with me. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. And I want you to catch that. He has a regular job. He's going in, he's doing his job daily. He's not the king, but he's over the household. Of the, of the king. So he called, Obadiah is called in. And now Obadiah, if you look at the last part of verse 3. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. 
Ahab did not. Ahab was a wicked and evil man who led the nation of Israel away from God. But here's Obadiah living in the household, governing over that household of a very ungodly man. But Obadiah is a godly man. So you may think to yourself, well, pastor, you just don't understand where I work. Everybody curses. They lie. They on and on and on. That's how, that's, that's how it was for Obadiah too. So we're stepping right in where lots of people live, aren't we? But we find a man who loves the Lord. In fact, he would have, from the time of his childhood, learned this text. Listen with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Listen to what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So when we look at this text that says that Obadiah sincerely feared the Lord. In fact, verse 12 of the same chapter tells us he feared the Lord since he was a child. So we know this somebody. This is somebody who loves the Lord with all his heart, his mind, and his soul. Just as was taught in the law of Moses. Just as was repeated by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So he's a man of genuine personal fear. This gave him strong moral character in a very immoral society. This gave him spiritual strength in a spineless society. You and I, we may think that we live in tough places during tough times. But we're not living in as tough a place in as tough a times as Obadiah. But we see him rise to the top. He rises strong in his personal faith. You and I, we have to choose in our lives. Am I going to let the environment around me shape me? Or am I going to shape the environment around me? We make a difference. We can either cave in or stand up and help create what God wants. Obadiah is somebody who stands up. When we look in here, we come down to verse 4, we see that he's a guy who was more than a hearer, he was a doer of his faith. Listen to verse 4 again. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, she killed them, that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Now, for you, as the governor of the household of the king and queen who are wicked and evil and killing the prophets, for you to hide a hundred and smuggle water and food to them, you are stepping up, aren't you? Wouldn't you say? I mean, he knows if he gets caught, he will die, his family will die. But he is willing to step up because he knows he needs to do right. 
You see, he's going to practice his faith, not just talk about it, not just think about it, not contemplate it. He's going to do it. Kind of reminds us of the apostles in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 19. We find where the leadership at that time brought them in and commanded them, do not teach or preach in the name of this man, Jesus Christ. But what was the response? They said, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, judge you. Well, that could have been Obadiah. Because certainly Ahab and Jezebel, they would have had him turn every one of those prophets in for execution. But better for him to obey God or man. Judge you. Obadiah was a man who not only feared and loved the Lord, but he practiced his faith in a very real way. He followed the pattern of great people before him. People like Abraham, who left the country he knew to go to a land that he did not know because God told him to go. He follows the pattern of a man like Moses, who left the household of a pharaoh to go ahead and become a nomadic person until God brought him back to lead the people to be free. He's following the pattern of King David. Or if we want to go yet a little farther, how about Deborah, who we studied this morning as the judge in uh, the time of Israel? So when we look here, we understand that what is his personal strength? He loves God and he's not a hypocrite. He absolutely pr practices what he preaches, even in the face of great peril. But yet he was a good citizen. So I don't want you to get the idea that he's some kind of rebel who stands up against everything that is the authority. No, he's going to do his job. He's going to be a productive part of society. But he is going to obey God before man. Look at verse 3. It says, And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. So we know that he was clearly a good employee. He would have never made him governor of his house if he wasn't doing his job right and doing it well. He served well. Look at verse 5. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all the fountains of the water, unto all the brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them. One went one way, one went the other way. When we look at that, we understand... Obadiah was entrusted like the second in charge of the nation. All the livestock of the country was half under the guidance or protection of Ahab the king. Half Obadiah is going to go and find grazing enough to go ahead and keep them alive. He is truly a trusted employee. So when we look at this, it should make each of us step back and say, am I being an Obadiah? You see, you don't have to be a king. You don't have to be a governor. You don't have to be a mayor. You just need to be a person who says, am I an Obadiah? Do I get up each day and do my job the very best I can? Try to do exactly what I should, not compromise my faith, but to do what I'm supposed to do. And Obadiah clearly is that kind of man. 
He served the king. He obeyed his commands as long as they didn't violate his faith. Look down with me at verse 6. So they divided all the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself. Obadiah went another way by himself. I want you, I want you to catch that. You know, there are some folks who have to be constantly supervised in life. If you've ever had people who work for you, you know that there are some folks who are self-starters. They come in, they get going, they get the job done. And then there's some people that every day you kind of have to prod them along and prod them along and prod them along. Obadiah is a self-starter. He's going to get up. The king has sent him on a project. It's going to come sunrise. He's going to get himself squared away. He's going to get everything pulled together. He's going to go look for another stream. He doesn't need Ahab to come and say, listen, I'm going to text you. I want to make sure. Did you get all the buckets that hold the grain? Did you remember to get, you know, is the water deep enough for the things to drink without drowning? You know, is, it, is the grass green or is it dry? No, Ahab is, he's going to do his thing. Obadiah is trustworthy to be a self-starter. We need to teach this generation to be good, hard-working, trusted self-starters like Obadiah. So we're learning from somebody who has succeeded. He was a good citizen. Serving the king, doing his job, obeying the commands that were given as long as they didn't violate his faith. And he was a self-starter. These are all great things. We come down to verse 7, and it tells us, And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and I want you to read those three verses with me. He knew him. Let's do it together. Ready? He knew him. One more time. He knew him. So who did Obadiah know? Elijah. You know, there's real value in having good godly friends. If all we ever do is spend our time with people like Ahab and Jezebel, then all of a sudden we start sounding like and looking like Ahab and Jezebel. But... Obadiah had learned long ago when he loved the Lord, even as a child and all the way up through, that if I rub elbows, kind of, isn't it, isn't it something how this whole uh, COVID thing brought us to the place wh where people rub elbows? <laughs> I never really even knew what that meant when they say, yeah, well, they rub elbows. Now I do. So here we see that Obadiah was somebody who, he knew the prophet. He knew the people of God. And you and I in our lives, it should be that we have a strong circle of Christian friends that we fellowship with, that we encourage, that we help, that we worship with. It's important. So we see Obadiah. We learn from him his personal strengths. And we ourselves say, yes, I can learn from them and I can grow with them. I can use those to teach the next generation that they too might be people who fear and love the Lord. People who practice their faith genuinely and sincerely. 
people who are good citizens but don't compromise their faith, and people who fellowship with other godly people. It's interesting in pastoring through the years, I have folks, I'll meet people or I'll, sometimes I get phone calls from people who will tell me, yeah, I believe in God. I, I know I love God, but I just don't do, I don't do corporate worship. I don't worship with other people. Something breaks down in that when you understand that the Bible says Jesus died for the church. Now that's a direct quote out of the Bible. Jesus died for the church. He didn't die for the building. He died for the people. Christ established the church. Not Pastor Tim. Not the Apostle Paul. Jesus established the church. Why? So that we would connect one with another. That we would encourage one another. Pray for one another. Serve with one another as we make a difference in our generation for the cause of Christ. He had a goal and an objective in having corporate worship as part of his kingdom. So as we look here, Obadiah, he's a guy who knew the prophet. In fact, as soon as he sees him coming over the hill, it says to us that he recognized him, he fell on his face, and he said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? He's calling out to him and saying, Is that you, Elijah? And of course it is. But you know, as much as I love Obadiah, and as much as I see some wonderful things to learn from him, he does have a little bit of a, a flaw. We're going to look at it. And I'm going to challenge you, as well as me, to learn from his mistakes as well as his strengths. So pick it up with me at verse 9, if you would. And this is what Obadiah says to Elijah, because Elijah says in verse 8, I am he, go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. I want you, he says, I want you to go find Ahab. Tell him Elijah's here to see him. Now, I want you to listen to Obadiah's response to Elijah. And he answered him, uh, no, next verse, verse nine. And he said, what have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation, and they found thee not. Now, as I read this, I'm actually going to try to do this. I may not be able to succeed at it. But I can hear Obadiah's voice getting higher as he goes. Because he's kind of like, have you, you know... I raised a boy and a girl, a son and a daughter. In fact, there were only two pronouns in my house. And so that son and that daughter, as they were growing up, one was drama all over the place. And the other one was and still is as undramatic as it can get. Now, I won't tell you which one, but... <laughs> But all that drama came with a certain level of 
of increase whenever it came. For instance, one, one day we were at the house and I told, I told the one who was drama, I need you to go out and I just need you to give some grain to my cows out in the shed. But it was night. It was dark. That was the beginning of the drama. But I convinced, and I guess I'll let it slip, her. I convinced her, it's okay, I know it's dark, there's a light, you'll be fine. So she goes out, and she comes back in running. I mean running. And it started out, dad, dad. And then from there it went, dad, dad, dad. And you know, she's telling me, the cow ran, it ran at me. She wasn't even in the fenced area, she was in the shed. But it escalated in tone, because in her mind, I don't know, she thought it was gonna burst through the wall, I don't know, but she was terrified. It was drama. So here we find, as I read this, listen to Obadiah, because this gets pretty dramatic with him. Just the whole thing of saying, are you sending me to slay me? What? Have I sinned? Listen to verse 11. And now sayest thou, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee, that the spirit of the Lord shall catch thee away, whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. So uh, there's something to learn here. Drama really doesn't, it doesn't improve the situation. Ahab, what we find him is, we find he lets his fear affect his judgment. And he's really quite a courageous guy. I mean, when he hit a hundred prophets, in fact, he tells Elijah, he says, haven't you heard that I, I hid a hundred prophets? Divided into two groups of 50 and gave them water and, and um, bread? Not that I, I don't fully understand how that adjusts his case, but he mentions it anyways. I think it's all part of the drama. So he says to Elijah, he says, listen, if I go tell Ahab, and he fabricates a whole story in his mind, if I go tell Ahab, and then the spirit is going to move you to go somewhere else, Ahab's going to find that you're not there, and then he's going to kill me. And the prophet says to him, no, I promise, I pinky promise, I will be here to face Ahab. Sometimes in our life, if we're not careful, we go from reality to a false scenario in the blink of an eye. And sometimes we worry and fret and stew about things that will never come to pass. And that's exactly what Obadiah does here. He knows the prophet. The prophet's not going to send him to his death. He's not going to lie to him. Maybe Obadiah has been around Ahab and Jezebel for so long that he's lost his trust in humanity. And that can happen, you know. We can become cynics to where we don't trust anybody. We don't believe anybody. The other day, I, I had to do something. Oh, I went to the hospital to make a hospital visit. I got to the front desk. I've got, my, I've got a 
a badge that's issued by the hospital that I'm clergy and I make clergy visits at the hospital. So I come to the desk and the, it's an older gentleman who's a volunteer and he says, well, I've got to go ahead and get clearance for you to go visit this lady in the hospital and gets on the phone. He can't hear. Her. It takes about 15 minutes for him to look up at me and he says to me, I can't let you in. You can't make your visit. I said, well, and I grabbed my little badge. I said, well, the reason I went through the process to get this is so that I can come and minister to people. They've called and asked for me to come and pray with them in the hospital because she's in intensive care. So he looks at me and says, I can't let you in. I said, okay. So I told him, wait, wait just a minute and I'll be back because I'm going to make a phone call. And so I go and I call the unit up there. I talk to the head nurse at the unit and I explain to her who I am and who the patient is and how the patient has asked me to come. And I ask her, I say, would you call down to the desk, tell the person that it's okay for me to come up? She says, let me ask my supervisor. <laughs> so I wait. She goes, asks her supervisor. Her, she comes back and she says, yes, you can come up. I said, will you call them? Yes, I will. So I go ahead and I come up to the front desk. Well, that volunteer's gone. <laughs> it's a new volunteer. So I explained the situation to the volunteer and I said to another older gentleman, I said, they're gonna call and let you know. And we both stand there and wait. <laughs> and wait. And finally he looks at me and he says, if I can't trust the pastor, who can I trust? Go. <laughs> and I thought to myself, isn't that great? He's not a cynic. He believes that. I'm, why would I lie about coming to visit somebody in the hospital? Here, Obadiah had become a bit of a cynic. He's thinking that the prophet somehow would tell him, go tell Ahab I want to meet with him. And then he's going to sneak away and he even blames it on God. He says, the spirit is going to lead you and then I'm going to come back and you'll be gone and I'll be executed. We in life need to be a little careful not to be so dramatic, not to create these fictitious things in our minds, not to be such cynics that we don't believe or trust anybody. So he did have a little bit of a, a weakness in that area. He had definitely been influenced by those around him. But at the same time, he is a person who takes all that he is and he uses it all for God. When we come down here, look with me at verses 12 on down. And we'll pick it up actually, verse 13. This is Obadiah repeating that he saved, saved the prophets. Was it not told my Lord? And I think this is to kind of make, make uh, Elijah feel bad if he really intended to kill Obadiah through this trickery. You know, I'm not sure. But anyways, he tells them the story again. Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred and hundred men of the Lord prophets by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now they, thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of the hosts liveth, 
before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So what Elijah does is Elijah removes himself from the equation. And he says, listen, Obadiah, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, this will come to pass that I will meet with Ahab. He lets Obadiah know that I am being as honest as God standing here. I absolutely will not betray you. You and I in our lives, there are so many things going on in our world that test our mettle, that test our character, that test our faith. We need to make sure that we always understand that the end of the equation is really not between us and our neighbor, our coworker, our spouse, our kids, our preacher. Our walk, our relationship, our duty is really before God. And that's what Elijah does. He brings it right down for Obadiah to understand. That Obadiah, this is really not about you and me and all that you've experienced in life or all your fears. This is really about the Lord. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and he told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah and they meet. You and I in our Christian walk, we are each in a different circumstance. You might be a you might be an office manager. You might be a truck driver like Rick, driving across America. A pastor, maybe a retired person, a student at school. Every one of us has a different circumstance in life, just like Obadiah. But we take from the Bible things that we apply to our lives the weaknesses and the strengths. And we learn from them and we shape ourselves after what God would have us to be. But we have to be genuine. Obadiah was a genuine person, just like you and I should be. So this morning as we go, I'm not asking you to go forth and be a king or a president, even a governor or a mayor. I think every one of us has to start out by just being a good person, like Obadiah. Let's bow our heads. All of what I just said started with Obadiah as a child. He told Elijah, since a child, I have loved the Lord. In your heart and in your soul, I, I ask you right now to look and ask yourself, do I love the Lord? Have I ever accepted Christ into my heart and into my soul? Am I, am I a child of God? That's the beginning. If you've not yet received Christ, then this morning, this morning, when we have a verse of invitation, you can slip out and come to this altar. And I or one of my officers, we would love to open the Bible, answer questions and pray with you. That you too might know and love the Lord. Christian, you are faced with choices every day, just like Obadiah.
Are you going to live your faith in genuine sincerity, whether in peril or at peace? Father in heaven, as we come to this invitation time, I pray for your Holy Spirit to stir and work in our hearts. Help us, Lord, as believers to look at all those strengths of Obadiah and yes, even his, his weakness. Help us to learn that we might become the child of God you want us to be. We pray for your guidance. In Christ's name we pray. Let's all stand and John is going to lead us in a song of invitation. And as we sing this song, Just As I Am, maybe you need to come to the altar. Maybe you need to come down and look at me and say, Pastor, I need to receive Christ today. I need to get my faith started. That's where you start. Receiving Christ, become a child of God. Start your walk with him. Maybe you need to come and just kneel down at the altar and say, Lord, help me. Help me to be an Obadiah. Stop letting the world shape me and help me to shape the world. Let's go ahead and have word of, a, a, a verse of song, Just As I Am. Just as I am. church family gathering. Good to see people coming back who we haven't seen for a while. Good to have those who have been th here throughout it all. And just pray for our church that we continue to gain in strength and recover as a body of believers. Which reminds me, next Sunday night, not tonight, next Sunday night, we're going to have our annual business meeting. Uh, everything has been knocked off skew. And so we're getting back on track. So next Sunday night, we're going to have our annual business meeting. Still have a song service, still have a message, but just go over business for the last year. If you want to nominate officers, the nomination slips are on the welcome desk. Please do that. Um, other than that, I think we are ready for me to pray a prayer of dismissal, and then John has a dismissal song for us. All set? Father, thank you for this day that we could come and be in your house. I thank you for this warmer weather, and I just pray that you would help each of us to, throughout this day, contemplate the things we have looked at in the scriptures. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name.
Amen. Dismiss